So to kick things off today for the series, this new teaching series is called The Miracle of the Church. The Miracle of the Church. And first, I want to start telling you a little bit about keys. I don't know about you, but I have tons of keys that sometimes I don't even know what they're for. Uh, maybe you have one of these drawers in your house. I have specific drawers in my house that I could open, and I probably have a 100 keys in it. Don't ask me what key goes with what. I don't know, but I'm afraid to throw them out because they might open a door that I might need eventually in the future. So little by little, it starts building up. And uh, of course, Jen wants to throw things out as much as possible, but I try to hide it and put things on top of it, keep the keys on the bottom. Some of you carry a lot of keys on you. This is my keychain. It actually looks a little better now, but here I have about probably a good 20 keys easily, 20, 25 keys. And something that's actually really interesting is that for a long time period, I had four keys to give me access to the church. But the interesting thing is that three out of the um, four keys didn't work. For some reason, there were copies, but I couldn't have access. And I'm not even joking, but literally, I think for the last like two or three years, whenever I'm walking through the church building and I had to open a door, I would guess out of the four keys, which one be, a, you would think I would put a mark on it. No, I wouldn't. I like, I want to play like Russian roulette with the keys all the time. It's like, I would guess it's like, which one would it be? Which one? And then all of a sudden it's like, I would pick it. And if it doesn't work, I'm like, all right, I'll try the other one and this and that. And about a week ago, out of nowhere, I said, why am I doing this to myself? Why eliminate the three other keys? Why carry copies of keys that don't grant me access? And it's crazy because while I was sitting down in the desk and I'm removing three keys from my keychain, God spoke to me. God spoke to me so clearly, even to a point I wrote it down so that I would be able to even share it on this day. God said this to me. One out of four Christians truly carry the keys to the kingdom. The others simply carry copies that don't grant access. So I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read that again. One out of four Christians truly carry the keys to the kingdom. The others simply carry copies that don't grant access. When he spoke to me that, like, my heart, like, it, it, like, dropped, like, from the standpoint, it's like, wow, that, like, was so powerful what God revealed. But then he also reminded me of the parable of the um, sower, like, pretty much the sowing the seeds, really one-fourth is the one that, like, grows on good soil and is able to produce fruit and grow in God's kingdom. So for each of us, we need to try to think it's like what are what are we doing with our christian walk because the reality is just because you call yourself a christian doesn't mean you're operating with access in god's kingdom so you might have the title of christian you might give yourself the title of christian but you might have a copy of a key that looks like the real thing but yet you don't have access in god's kingdom to do and operate the way he wants you to operate he wants you to live victoriously he wants you to have a life filled with abundance from the standpoint of being fruitful spiritually but yet so many times we settle for average we settle 
for so much less than what God intended the church to be. I believe that today we need to go into our keychain and remove the copies that don't belong in our lives and make sure that we have the key, the main key to have access to everything that God has given the church so that we would be able to go into every room, every door, every pathway, every hallway, anywhere that God wants to lead you to, that nothing would prevent you. No fear, no demon, no devil, nothing would be able to stand against you walking in God's kingdom and operating the way that he intended you to operate with full access to everything that he has. As a Christian, you have full access to heaven up above, but so many times we settle for so much less. Don't settle for your pretty much artificial, um, pretty much uh, artificial and, and uh, what, what's the word I'm trying to even think? There's a word, it's there, but it's not coming out. But mainly artificial like Christianity that's not pretty much filled with substance the way that God wants you to have it. So we're going to dive into the scriptures in Matthew chapter 16. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So right there, like this is a profound revelation, of course. It says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, the son of um, Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven, highlighting the revelation that he just mentioned. And then Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, you are Peter. And, and there he's changing his name and something I'm going to highlight too there. Uh, after I read the verse, I'll highlight it. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So right there, he's mentioning to Peter, he changes his name, but something that we need to realize that in this passage, In this passage, he highlights Peter and the name Peter, pretty much the Greek word for Peter is Petros, which means a stone. And then when in the scripture it says rock again, it's a different word. It's not the same word as he highlighted for Peter, it's Petra. So there's a difference there that we wouldn't notice unless we would look into the Greek pretty much meaning of the word behind it. So there what pretty much Jesus said is that I tell you that you're Peter, mentioning that he is a rock, a stone, a stone, changing his name so that he could understand the identity that he has now in God. And then he says, and on this rock, which that rock means Petra, highlighting the mass of the rock, like the big size rock, he mentions, I will build my church. So there, it's almost as if Jesus was saying this. I'm going to read it differently. It says this, you are Peter, a stone, a piece of the rock. And on this rock, 
the revelation of truth that you just confessed that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I want you to see that there's a difference with the meaning of rock in both of them. The first one, it's a stone. And then afterwards, Jesus is highlighting that upon the revelation that he just mentioned, that he is the son of God, he's going to end up building his church upon that. So Peter is a stone, part of the massive rock, which is the revelation of who Jesus is. So there we clearly see what Jesus is mentioning, and it's so powerful. And then after he mentions to Peter, after he mentions to Peter that he, his name is changed, um, pretty much he's a stone part of something bigger, which is, which is the church. Then he says this in verse 19, I will give you the keys. There's keys involved here of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here it's like, Pretty much um, God is telling Peter, it's like here, because you're part of the church and you're a rock, a stone that's part of the greater church that's built on the fact that Jesus is the son of God, I will give you keys. I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. You will have access to pretty much victory. You'll have access to power and authority that you would never be able to have access unless you're part of the church. So when you're connected to the church and doing what the church was meant to do, all of a sudden you're walking in a different level of a power and of authority and victory, having access to so much that God has for you. I wonder what are the things that God has planned for you that they haven't come to fruition simply because we haven't been able to walk with the keys of heaven, the keys of the kingdom that God has given us to be able to have access to everything that he wants us to have. So many times we, we are satisfied and we settle just to have copies of keys, things that look like we're Christian, things that make us feel like we're Christian, but yet we're missing out on the power and the authority that he's giving us pretty much through scripture and through having a relationship with him. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. It says this. It says, as you come to him, the living stone. Now, I want you to picture that word stone has a capital S in the Bible. So here is referring to Jesus, the, mass, the massive rock, you could say, the, where the church is being built on. It says, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, the living stones. Now, you see, this stones in the Bible is a lowercase stone, um, living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So here you see the big rock, the massive rock, which is God himself, Jesus, and the revelation of who he is. And then it says that we're the living stones being built up. So each of us, we're a stone, part of the massive rock. And that is what it means to be part of the church. And it's a miracle. It's, think about it. It's a miracle 
that, that God has entrusted us the, even the possibility of being able to be connected to him, but not only connected to him, but to be able to have keys to the kingdom. I want you to think about like even the first time anyone gave you a set of keys. Like I remember when I was going to school at Robert Morris School 18 here in the city of Elizabeth and I was in fifth grade and I remember my parents when they gave me one key. It wasn't nothing like this. It was just one key pretty much just to enter the door to get inside the house. But I felt like I like I felt like. I won the lottery or something. It's like all of a sudden it's like I have this key that I'm able to open the door and have access to this house that I could call home. It's like for each of us, we need to realize that God is giving us each the keys of the kingdom. But are you living and operating with the access that goes with the key? Another powerful, powerful verse that I want to highlight is John chapter 15, starting at verse 14. And it says this. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, I want to even pause there. Like right there, that's conditional there. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. So there is an expectation of you and I to do what Jesus commands. Now, something I'm going to highlight a little bit further down is what that meaning of friendship means. Here, something that's important for us to realize is this meaning of friendship is not like Like sometimes I see t-shirts that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Uh, Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is God. He's king. You know what I mean? And here, this word of friendship doesn't mean the friendship that we might know. It's so much deeper than that. And we're going to go into that. And you know what? So many times, like we wish that we could have a relationship with God as if he's our homeboy, because that means you could do whatever you want and you can just chill with him whenever you want. No, no, God is king and in his kingdom, which if he's going to give you the, um, the keys to his kingdom, you pretty much have to obey the king. You can't get access to be granted access with keys to the kingdom if you're not walking in the kingdom and honoring and obeying the king of the kingdom. So here in John chapter 15, verse 14, it says this, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Now it's something we need to realize. Servants, it's like someone that was hired for a task. Someone that's hired for a task. Because a servant does not know his father's business. So Prima is saying, hey, a servant would just get hired for a task, but they don't know the father's business. They don't have access to the house. They don't know what's going on in the kingdom. Then Jesus continues. Instead, I call you friends. Now, something I want to highlight here with friends is number one is this. The, um, there's a couple of deep meanings to this word friends. Number one is dearly loved. And of course, that's one that we could easily embrace. Like, you know what I mean? Like we all want to be dearly loved by God and we know that God loves us. But there's two other um, words that are used to pretty much highlight this word friends that Jesus is using. The first one is confidant. Like here, you, you'll be able to see the definition is going to say for a confidant, um, it says a person with whom one shares a secret or private matter. 
So here, pretty much what's highlighting with friends is that you, they share with you something confidential. Like there's something special, a secret, a private matter. Like even how Jesus says, a servant doesn't know the, fa- um, the master's business, but a friend d- does because they're confident, uh, knowing pretty much what's happening in the inner workings of the family, you could say. And another word that's highlighted here is for the word friend is an associate. So here for the definition there is a partner or colleague in business or at work. So here it's like Jesus is calling you not just a friend the way we know friends, but he's calling you pretty much a partner. We're partners in the kingdom. Like we work side by side. You have access to the kingdom and pretty much you know now the father's business. So now this is a completely, this is a game changer. It really is a game changer. Now I'm gonna read the scripture again from the beginning without pausing there, just so you could hear the whole flow. It says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Now, in that passage, I want you to even look at that um, something too, how Jesus said, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Like that's to show you, it's like we're partners in the kingdom advancing God's pretty much plans. It's like everything that the, um, the father revealed to Jesus, he made known to the disciples and he wants us to know as well. But why is this? The major reason is so that we could bear fruit. And that word fruit there, that word fruit in Greek is highlighted as actions, results, having profits and gain. It's like you're accomplishing what God has called you to do. So here it's like you're expected to do God's will with what he's given you. So for us to realize Um, pretty much for every believer, volunteer, and disciple, we need to really think to ourselves, it's like, how do we view ourselves when it comes to doing God's work? Or are we even doing God's work? Because how we're talking about the miracle of the church, the miracle of the church is operating in God's kingdom, operating in God's kingdom, having access to all the doors and places he wants us to go to and to accomplish what's on his heart. But I want to let you know, if church only to you is attending on Sunday morning, which we know we haven't been able to do because of everything that's happened. If church is only attending, if church is only receiving, if church is only just getting, if church is just feeding yourself and not doing what God's called you, I'm here to tell you, you got copies. 
You have copies to the true key that God wants to give you. You're not operating with the key that he wants you to live in and to operate in. It's not enough to listen. It's not enough to attend. It's not enough to know about. It's not enough just to read once in a while. It's not enough to just pray for your food and consider that your relationship with God. It's not enough to keep a superficial and a shallow. You see, shallow, that's the word at the beginning when I got stuck, my brain got stuck there a little bit. It was the word shallow, shallow. It's not enough to have a shallow relationship with God. So if that's you and you have a super fit and you know God's given you gifts, God's given you talents and, and you're not using them for God. Like you might have the label of Christian, but you have copies of keys to the kingdom with no access. You need to have the true key with access. And that comes when you obey the king. When you obey the king, he could trust you. So many times we talk about, do you, you know, do you trust God? We have to really flip it and really think, does God trust you? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give my keys to my house to just anybody. I'm not, I'm not gonna walk up to uh, someone that comes up to me like, hey, Carlos, I know you, I know about you. You know what I mean? Like, I follow you on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, is it okay for me to have keys to your house? I'll look at me like, yo, you're crazy. It's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna give you keys to my house. I have no idea who you are. I don't trust you. And that's really the truth. How could we expect God to give us keys to his kingdom when, when he doesn't trust us because one day we have a foot, our foot in the world and then the other day we have our foot pretty much trying to follow him. He requires you to surrender everything, to give you, him your entire heart, mind, soul, and strength and surrender your gifts and talents for him. And I know this isn't easy sometimes for us to really process or even to swallow this message. This message is not meant to tickle your ears. This message is to tell you the truth. Some of us are not living in God's kingdom and we're playing church. Some of us pretty much, the reality is once this coronavirus happened, it shook things up because pretty much the any stability that you felt like you had by coming here on Sunday mornings was swept underneath you. Now it's up to you now to tune in. And now in the comfort at home, you know, there's a lot of temptations and a lot of distractions and it's a beautiful day. You know, it's easy to be like, hey, forget church. I'm gonna end up going to the beach. Or I'm gonna end up doing something else. All of a sudden, our own faith has been tested through this season. God wants you to be a genuine Christian that's following him. He doesn't want copies of Christianity. He wants true Christianity. So where are you today with this? Now, I even want to challenge too, everyone that's in ministry, everyone um, pretty much that might be in ministry, volunteers, anyone that might even be helping out. Because you know what it is? You could easily have in your mind a mindset of being a servant versus a mindset of being a friend according to God's definition. Someone that, you know, it's a trusted confidant, someone that's an associate, a pastor that, uh, um, not, not, not a pastor, someone that's a partner, uh, uh, like a trusted confidant, someone, confidant, someone that's a, pretty much a partner in the kingdom and someone that's dearly loved as well. That's a friend according to Jesus. So for us, we need to evaluate our hearts and check our motives. Like, are we truly 
uh, pretty much a friend of Jesus in the kingdom, according to his definition, or do we operate with the mindset of a servant? And I know that could be a little confusing, so I have a couple examples for you to help you understand the difference. Okay, ready? A servant lives in a room. So it's going to be a servant lives in a room, a friend lives in the house. There's a difference. So a servant, if you're a servant in ministry or a servant when it comes to volunteering, whatever, you're just worried about what happens in your own little room. You know, you're not worried about anything else that might be happening in the church or overall anything else. You're just worried about your own little room and not the house. So like, for example, it's like, let's say if you're part of ministry and you know, you just have your responsibility, but you're walking through the church and you might see some garbage on the ground. You don't think twice about picking it up. You know, you might be like, well, that's someone else's job. You just walk right past it. No, there's a big difference because a friend lives in the house. A friend lives in the house and everything that has to do with God's kingdom is priority to their heart. And they're there to love, to support, to engage everything that's happening. Let me give you another example. A servant feels like they have to. A friend feels like they get to. So here, a servant, just to give you an example, they, he feels like they have to. It's like, oh, I have to help out. I have to be involved. I have to show up on Friday night. I have to show up on Wednesday night. I have to come early to church. No, no, no. But a friend feels like they get to. They're excited that God pretty much gave them the opportunity to be involved in the greatest adventure that you could ever be in. So there's a big difference to have a servant mentality and a mentality of being a friend in God's kingdom. Now I'll give you another example. A servant cuts corners and does the bare minimum. Like pretty much they don't want to go out of their way to do anything beyond the bare minimum that might require sacrifice and them stepping out of their comfort zones. But here a friend comes early and goes late. Because it's their house. They want to make sure everything goes well. I'll give you another example. A friend is motivated by their own vision. I mean, I'm sorry. A servant is motivated by their own vision. A friend is motivated by the vision of the house. So there you see a difference. A servant is just concerned about what their agenda is, what they want to get done. But they pretty much a friend is more concerned about the vision of the overall house. A servant quickly judges their leader. A servant quickly judges their leader because they don't like to do more than anything else than they're supposed to. So they're quick to judge other people, whoever their leader might be. It might be their community group leader, their youth leader, their whatever leader. It could be me, you know, whatever leader you have in your life. They're quick to judge your leader. A friend is honored to be entrusted. So here, instead of quick to judge the leader, no matter what's happening, a friend is just honored to have, be entrusted and to have a copy of the key, um, a key to have access to the church, you could say. Here, I'll give you another one. A servant allows criticism in the church. A friend defends the unity of the family. So here, there's a difference. 
a servant, if you have the mindset of, uh, of, of a servant, all of a sudden you allow criticism to take place, but yet a friend defends the unity of the family. I'll just give you two more. A servant demands to be valued. A friend desires to add value. There's a difference. And this is a mindset. Of course, we all want to be valued, but a servant demands to be valued. It's always about them, you could say. And they, unless they feel valued, they don't want to help out or be a part of anything, or they might be quit, uh, quick to pretty much fade away in the distance. But the mindset of a friend, a partner in God's kingdom, they desire to add value to other people. They come into church wanting to see who they could bless instead of them walking in expecting to be blessed. So there's a big difference between a partner, someone that's side by side advancing God's kingdom to someone that's just a servant. And lastly, I'm gonna give you one last example. A servant attends church. A friend belongs to the church. Belongs. So there's a big difference from someone that just attends church to someone that belongs to the church. And I pray that everyone here watching is one that truly belongs to Christ Fellowship that you don't just attend, but you're part of the family, that you're someone trusted by God with the keys to the kingdom to be able to advance his kingdom here in the city of Elizabeth, throughout the county, throughout the state, pretty much throughout your life, that you would be truly a partner in doing the things that's on God's heart, that we wouldn't just be someone that would just attend and just have a superficial relationship with God and a distant relationship with the church. Because God created the church, the miracle of the church, God created the church so that his mission could be advanced and he's invited you to be part of that journey. We have some amazing leaders and amazing volunteers in Christ Fellowship. So many of them that I know that they're friends of God and we consider them friends as well. These are leaders that we trust. These are leaders that we consider partners. And there's so many of them that could easily sit down and Prima share name by name so many that might be watching even now that are part of our church. But today we're going to highlight four of them so that you would be able to get to know them a little bit more as well. So I'm going to ask Anna Pena, Rose Lunique, Phil Costanza, and Charlotte Leonard to come up on the stage and to sit here. So you could clap it up. Thank God for them. You could find the seat there. They're not here yet, so you could clap it up more. We have a couple people in the audience today, just the worship team. So make a little noise for them. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming this morning. And as many of you know that throughout this season, uh, we, we've reached out to our church, letting you know is that this is the season where you're able to recommit for the next uh, ministry year that starts in September. Of course, we don't know exactly how everything is going to look like because there's so many things that have happened throughout the last couple months. But without question, ministry hasn't stopped. The church hasn't stopped from being the church. This didn't catch God by surprise. 
things continue to happen. So here, even today, as we're highlighting volunteers and those that I know that God has entrusted to them, uh, of course, the keys to the kingdom as well, we wanted to get to know them a little bit to highlight the volunteers because this church is made up of volunteers. We have so many volunteers that sign up throughout the year that pretty much are part of the kingdom. And we're excited that we get to highlight a couple of them today. So the first question that I have for you guys is how long have you been part of Christ Fellowship? And I guess we could go through here. Um, we'll start with, you can say your name so they can know. I think most people know who you guys are, but. My name is Charlotte Leonard and I've been part of Christ Fellowship for 15 years. Awesome, awesome. My name is Anna Pena. I've been part of Christ Fellowship for many, many years. Um, How many years is many, many? <laughs> We're gonna need like to almost 20 on and off. Okay. So That's a long time. My name is Rose Lunique, and um, I've been part of Christ Fellowship for um, about, 20, yeah, about 20 years. Okay, great, great. I am Phil Costanza. I've been a member of Christ Fellowship about six years now. Okay, awesome, awesome. So each of you, uh, we were truly grateful that you were able to be here with us this morning. And we want, obviously, for everyone there to um, get to know you a little bit more. What areas of ministry are you involved in? So I guess we'll start from this side this time. Um, as now, I'm in charge of the men's ministry, Men of Integrity. Um, I'm also a member of the maintenance team for the church, coming in and doing repairs and working on the bathroom. Okay, cool. When he says working on the bathroom, that's the women's bathroom. So if you're a woman, part of CF, you better start making some noise on that thread because uh, guys, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the guy's bathroom to get upgraded, but the women's bathroom is going to look much nicer by the time you guys come back and be with us. Thank you so much. I uh, volunteer on the worship team, and um, I do the... Um, <laughs> the Pastor Harold is going crazy right now, right there. <laughs> and um, the shepherds uh, feeding okay. on Saturday, once a month on Saturday. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you tell them about the shepherds of feeding the needy, just, just in case they don't know what, what it is. Oh, um, actually, it's, it's fun. Uh, we come on a Saturday, and um, when uh, we, well, uh, we get to uh, cook uh, a meal mm -hmm. um, for... And then they prepare, um, they prepare about like 100 um, dishes. Um, and we all come together. We have so much fun. We have music, um, plus we, you know, we um, fellowship with each other. And uh, we put the meals together. And as we put them, once we're done putting the meals together, we go out into the community. We pray mm -hmm. with um, people and then we hand out, um, you know, the meals. And it's really, it's nice. It's fun. Awesome, awesome. So once a month they go out um, to feed those that are a little bit. Um, so Anna, if you could. Okay. So I am part of the kids ministry. I teach Sunday school for the pre-K in kindergarten. Um, and I'm also part of the prayer team. And, <laughs> um, and, and I pretty much like to do anything that needs to be done in the church. So um, I'm I'm thankful to be part of that. I've, I've been part of the Shepherds 
um, feeding and that has been such a blessing every single time and indefinitely um, adapt the street in Elizabeth where we go out to each like part of Elizabeth and just pray for people just ask people if they want prayer and just pray over the city of Elizabeth and that's um, pretty much it awesome awesome um, I just want to say that whatever I do I'm a volunteer in everything I do and in every ministry it's a team I don't do it all by myself. I'm part of the, all of us are part of the big team. So I'm a team leader for the prayer ministry. Um, I help for restoring dignity. Um, I love to paint, so I help with maintenance of the church. And also the shepherds. I love the shepherds. Awesome. Shepherds feeding the needy. That's great. And something that Charlotte brought up that's really important for us to realize, too, is that in our church, we do team-led ministries. Like, pretty much there's no, let's say, just one person making all the decisions. They do whatever they want and run with the ministry. No, we, we do things as a team. The same way it's the Jesus model. Jesus makes us partners that we get to do the kingdom side by side with them. And so here we are obeying Father God, advancing God's kingdom side by side with one another. So the next question, why do you do what you do? So, so Phil down. said ladies first. So that's really smart. There's three ladies. So you get to be last all the time. That's genius right there. Okay, so one of the reasons I do what I do is that I heard a story one time. There are two seas in the nation of Israel. One is called the Sea of Galilee, and the other is called the Dead Sea. So there's a major difference between the two. The Sea of Galilee has an inlet and an outlet. And it's a balance of receiving and giving. The Dead Sea, however, only has an inlet. It has no outlet. It takes in, but it gives nothing back. And the Lord showed me how he's given us so many talents and treasures and, and time to devote to his kingdom. And that it's really up to us whether we are the Sea of Galilee, rivers of living water, watering other people, blessing other people, or the Dead Sea, not doing much of anything. Although we're still Christians, we still have it in us, but we're not giving it. We're not helping anybody else. So I decided I want to help other people. Thank you for sharing. That was beautiful. Um, and to add to that, um, I, the reason why I do it is because it just brings me closer to God. Mm. Um, there have been so many times when things need to be done or things are, are presented to me to do or, or to participate in, and I've been tired. And, and I just go like, you know what? It's, mm. it's my family. This is my home. This is... It's more about um, a community and, and like you, you wouldn't just say no to your dad. You wouldn't just say no to your mom. You wouldn't say no to your, mom, your sister or brother. You're, you're there, like, even if you're tired. And, and I've noticed that, like, every single time, even when I'm 
like right now, I'm terrified of being in front of people. God shows up. He gives me comfort. He gives me strength. He renews my spirit. He really, really does those things. And even when I'm tired and I come and serve, God recharges me. It's, it's, it's like the most amazing thing. I feel better. I feel more at home. I feel more loved. I feel like I've actually done something for God to make him smile. And it makes me just so happy and, mm. and I, I encourage every single one of you to be part of a ministry. It could be anything. I mean, anything you love, anything you, you think you know, anything that you want to partake in, do it and then and you'll see how God just touches your life and how God changes you mm. little by little or a lot. So that's why I, I serve. Awesome, awesome. For me, at the beginning, um, I just didn't know anyone, you know, when I came to the church. Um, so uh, back then it was Pastor Gary. He was asking, um, you know, for volunteers in different ministries. And um, I'm like, well, the best way to get to know people is just to start volunteering. But I didn't realize or didn't even think that it would, like, um, you know, change my life. I was just surprised that the talent of the people, like whenever we would have parties, the way they would decorate, you know, I'm like, wow, people could do that. Like, it was just amazing. And then they would teach me how to do it. I didn't even know I could do it. And it was just like so amazing. And then how we would just like um, come together and, and just, it was just like one big happy family. Awesome. And, um, and, uh, and before, prior to coming to Christ Fellowship, you know, I worship, I'm from Haiti, so I worshiped in a Haitian church. But I was, like, shocked that all of us could come together from mm. all different backgrounds mm. to worship the same God. It was mm. just amazing how we just got together to do it. And, um, and that's what, um, and at the same time, I noticed that as I serve, everything in my life would just, like, fall into place. Mm. You know, I just, I really just started paying attention. Like, it could be anything that I could need. Mm. It just, it's just provided. Mm. Like, God is just there, you know. So that's um, why I do what I do. Awesome, awesome. Well, I seem to be the youngster as Christian <laughs> out of this crowd. Um, but to, to touch on what everybody has done here, mm. It's it's a conglomeration. I mean, I feel that everything that God and Christ has done in my life, it's the least I can do. Mm. It's to serve, is mm. to help out, is to project mm. serve mm. The, the, with the men's ministry, with the maintenance crew, mm. with the feeding the needy. Mm. I mean, it's the least we can do. Mm. I mean, God has done everything for us. I mean, it's only yeah. right for us to give back mm, definitely definitely how phil said it's it's the least that we could do like you know just to be able to help and serve um what is one of the most meaningful moments that you had while volunteering i'll start this one okay when we were in puerto rico on the mission mm. trip when we were painting the house when we were painting the house at the top of the mountain mm. And the lady came out with this little pot of food, about this big, mm. and a pot about the same size of rice. Mm. And there was, what, 20 of us, yeah, yeah. 25 of us there. And we look at the pot and says, how is that going to feed everybody? Yeah. God provided. Mm. That pot fed everybody wow. with leftovers. Wow. And on top, you know, and... 
uh, the way God works, it's like every year at our men's retreat, he steps in. I, I tell it to Harold. I tell it to Kurt all the time. Planning's overrated. Because the minute you get there, God takes over. Awesome, awesome. So they, they're in that pot. I think that was Sancocho. Yeah, Sancocho. So for all of us, we all know Sancocho's anointed anyway. Yes. So, so without question, like if it's a pot of Sancocho, it's going to multiply by itself too. But God, God definitely showed up. Thank you so much, Phil. Who? Can I do two? I have two. Sure, sure. One of them is um, we came on a Friday for um, Restoring Dignity. And we didn't know where Bobby was. Where's Bobby? How come he's not here? Well, Bobby got a job on the garbage truck, and he got an apartment. Mm. So that's why he wasn't in the ministry anymore. Mm. And the other and one... And just, just for people to know, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit, Restoring dig Dignity, oh, okay. what it's about. Restoring Dignity, um, basically, are home, the homeless people. In the morning, we minister to the ladies. And in the afternoon, we minister to the men. Um, our wonderful pastors put in a shower, so they're able to go and take a shower. Uh, we have new clothes for them, underwear for them, shoes for them, coats for them. Um, and Lydia is there to make sure that they get fed. And they come every Friday. And awesome. we love them. Awesome. And the other thing is... Um, this is a personal thing. I got so blessed. I was here painting, and I was talking to one of the people that was painting with me, a lady who was painting with me, Anna. And I told her how I sponsor a child in um, the Dominican Republic, and I'd really like some Larimar, a piece of Larimar, because that's from the Dominican Republic. She said, oh, I have a piece. I'll bring it to you. Oh. And here it is. <laughs> So I have my Larimar. Um, so it was a wonderful blessing. Awesome, awesome. So I heard one time, and I believe it's true, mm. you cannot outgive God. Mm. Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, there are so many times that um, I can share with you guys where God has done, has caused me to, to feel like his presence in serving. Um, one of them, Pastor Carlos talks about it all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we were here volunteering, painting the outside of the church, mm -hmm. and um, I'm afraid of heights. I mean, terrified of heights, as much as I am of public speaking, by the way. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's really no one here. Uh, and the people watching, they don't bite, I don't think. So. <laughs> and, um, and so it needed to be done, and I was just like, okay. Uh, Lord, just go with me. Let's do this. This is what I do every time. I just pray. And next thing you know, I'm painting, and it's here, and then here. And I'm, like, at the second floor of the building and painting. And Pastor Carlos is like, wow, Anna, how many times have you done, like, have you, have you painted? And I'm like, uh, counting this one, one. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and he, he felt as though I was so comfortable and so, and, and I didn't even notice. That's how God shows up. I didn't even notice how far up I was until he asked me and I looked down and I was like, okay, God is good. Mm -hmm. And, and so like it, it changes you. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you courage and, 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 
in serving and in doing things for God, <laughs> you you start changing for the better. God starts chipping away things that should not be, like fear, and, and it causes you to be a better person. And I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the times that um, I, I've gone on, on the adopt the street i coming up to people it's not always the easiest thing to do and asking them if they want prayer because people brush you off they just don't want to talk to you they have some place to be and but it you'd be surprised how when you say well can i just pray for you you know is, is there anything that if you would ask god right now for or that you would need right now and 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 their mind changes, their, their attitude changes, and then God shows up. And, and it's a blessing not only for them but for you because you stepped in faith and, and God saw you through it. So I'm, I'm just thankful. Awesome. awesome. Last but not least. Um, for me, I have um, two uh, meaningful moments. Um, one that was, um, and it's an example of how everything just like um, falls into place as you serve God's people. Um, and it was when I had my son, um, it was like, uh, what, my son is 15 now? But I didn't tell anyone because I was like so ashamed. Um, I was really embarrassed. And, um, and at that time, I had, um, I had opened up my home for... Um, for the fellowship group um, to come to my home. So I'm like, oh my gosh, if they mm. find out, then you know they're gonna like um, shut me down mm. <laughs> and I won't have anybody, you know, kick me out the church, everything. So I stayed quiet and um, I just like showed up to church mm. with a baby, you know, mm. as if you guys wouldn't notice that like I had a baby. <laughs> so I showed up to church and then, you know, then Pastor Loretta, I'll never forget this. Um, she, you know, made it a point to come visit me. Mm. You know, she came to my house and um, she noticed. She said, well, how come, you know, we mm. didn't know we would have blessed you, would have given you a shower. Mm. And I told her the truth that I was like mm. really embarrassed. And, um, and she told me, no, you know, a, a baby is a blessing from God, mm. you know, and then along with a whole bunch of other, you know, relationship advice and everything, um, you know, we just uh, continued. And the next fellowship night, they actually gave me a baby shower, mm. you know, so I had everything that I needed for the baby because prior to that, mm. I really had, you know, mm. nothing. So, um, and then the second um, moment was um, recently, uh, last August, I had to move mm. and uh, my landlord asked me to move um, out of my apartment and he gave me like 30 days to move. Mm. So, um I, I found an apartment, and I remember talking to Adrian. Mm -hmm. um, she uh, she's on the worship team with me. Uh, she knew the situation because I had actually mm -hmm. went to her house for a visit. And um, you know, while we were on stage, and mind you, this is like all before worship. Like mm -hmm. we had like five minutes before worship, mm -hmm. and um, she asked me like, "How are you? You know, did you find a place?" I said, "Yeah, actually, I found a place, but I you know spent everything that I had. I know I don't have any um, to rent a truck." Mm -hmm. And um, Pastor Harold overheard, mm -hmm. and um, he was like, well, what's, what's happening? And mm -hmm. I quickly explained everything to him. He's like, oh, no, we're in the body of Christ. I'm going to get some men all together, mm -hmm. and we're going to move you in. I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I was so shocked. Mm -hmm. and, and I had to go to work that Saturday morning. I couldn't even get the mm -hmm. day off. It was my weekend to work. And um, I had everything set up at the old house, and all the, you know, Pastor Harold, by the time church was over, Pastor Harold had, like, a crew of guys together, <laughs> and um, they came to my house on a Saturday. They moved all of my furniture, all the heavy mm -hmm. stuff, and um, by the time I got off of work at 2.30, I was, like, completely moved into my new place. Awesome. I was, like, so grateful, because mm -hmm. I really didn't know how I was going to do it, mm -hmm. but 
as you serve, you know, God will put things in place. Mm. Anything Amen. that you need in your life, he will completely put it in place. Awesome. That's how I was able to move into awesome. my place. So I'll awesome. never forget <laughs> those Yay. two moments. Yes. So. Um, and last, last question. If there's someone watching now that they're on, their, on the fence, they don't know if they want to commit, to be involved, uh, to use their gifts and talents, what would you say to them? Anyone could share. Well, if you're on the fence, that means you're halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> Take that step and have faith because he will provide and he will take care of you and get ready for the ride. Awesome. Anyone else want to chime in? Uh, just like um, I said before, like volunteering, it, it humbles you. Mm -hmm. And as you speak to other people and you get to pray for their needs, mm -hmm. you realize how much God has blessed you. Mm -hmm. You know, I've countless of people that I have met, you know, and they don't know me. I could be walking down mm -hmm. the street and just because I'm on the worship team, they're like, oh, I, I recognize you. And mm -hmm. then I'll, and they'll start talking and they'll tell me their mm -hmm. story of how they were homeless and how they came to the church and mm -hmm. the song and the you know, it just blessed them, like just the team, the worship wow. team itself just blessed them and kept them coming because of the worship. So you don't know what talent, you know, mm -hmm. God has God has given you with many talents and it's just to give back. Awesome. You know, and and um and like I said again many times, as you serve God's people, as you serve in God's house, everything in your house will just fall into place. Awesome, awesome. Um, I, I would say to you, I would definitely encourage you to step out. Um, it's, it might seem intimidating to, do, to, to serve or to do something that you're not used to doing, but I, I promise you that you step in faith, God will see you through. And, um, and not only will you bless someone else, but God will bless you. And I, I've seen that in my life. And um, I would say also to anybody that's um, confused or doesn't know where to serve, I would say start with something that you are comfortable with or that you, you know you can do or you know or you, you feel that tug. You know that tug mm. where God is like, you hear it mentioned, oh, somebody needs this or there needs to be this and you feel it in your heart, go with it. Go with it, because God is, 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 is bringing you to a different place. He's causing you to, to do something else, to step out in faith. And I would encourage you to do that. Um, and like today, I was thinking about this, and, and I remember something that Pastor Carlos told us like years ago when we were doing um, the bridge. One day, like he took us to, it, it, was, it was odd. At the mm -hmm. time, I want to say, he took us to a cemetery, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is different." And so he took all of the leaders um, to a cemetery, and we—it was a beautiful cemetery. Don't get me wrong, um, but he started. We started to walk around, and we started to see people's year of birth and year of death, and. Pastor Carlos like pointed out to the little line in between. He said that was that person's life, mm -hmm. and and that's all that they will remember in this world when you die. The year that you were 
you were born in the year that you died and then the line in between is whatever you did. So make it count, um, serve, um, advance the kingdom, be like Jesus and, and just share the gospel and, and, and do, be part of his kingdom. Don't just have nothing in between that little line, but have people know and encourage people to serve and to live the life that God has called you to live. And that's what I would say to you. I, I think Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So I think that he's given us a lot, his blood, his word, his spirit, his life, that he didn't do it for nothing. He didn't give us all those wonderful things for nothing, that he wants us to use it, not only to help other people, but that we would be blessed as well. And the other day I was reading in Matthew 28, where the Lord said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and then he left. <laughs> he must trust us a lot. <laughs> so I, I don't really have a family right now. That's another story. But the church is my family. So everything that happens here, it, it's part of my family, and it means a lot to me. Maybe one of the hindrances for people is that maybe they have a big family and a lot of involvement with their family. They think they don't have time to be part of a ministry. But, you know, I wrote down. All the ministries. Mm. There's like 27, 28. Mm. So I, I pray that you would be encouraged that the more, the more you do for the Lord, the more you reach out, the more the Lord is going to reach out to you and, and bless you. And, and you'll be not just a part of the church, but you'll be the church. Amen. 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 Well, why don't we thank all four of them for coming up and being with us. Thank you so much. Clap it up through the thread as well. Thank you. I just need the podium. If you want, I'll, I'll go down. You got it? Are you sure? I think that. Thank you so much, Anna. You see, Anna's always serving. So one more time, we want to thank all the volunteers and everyone that's a volunteer. And even right now, we just want to take a moment to show you a little video clip just highlighting everything that you've been doing as a partner in ministry right now. So we thank everyone that's a volunteer in Christ Fellowship from the very beginning to even up to this day. And I know all of you 
you should have received or you're going to receive within the next day or two an envelope that gives you the opportunity to sign up and recommit to this next ministry year. We encourage you to fill it out and be able to send it through the mail. You could also do it through, um, through the internet as well. A little bit later, we're going to post it in our social media so that you would be able to do it there if you would choose to. But we want to let you know that church wouldn't be possible without everything that you do for this ministry. So we thank you from the bottom of our hearts on behalf of all the elders and pastors. We count it an honor to be side by side with you. We encourage everyone else that might be watching, don't settle to just attend, just to watch and receive, but truly be a partner in the kingdom so that God could trust you with the keys of the kingdom. If everyone could bow their heads as we pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for every volunteer. We thank you for every person that's watching as well, God. God, we just pray that today that you would reveal to us, Lord God, the importance that it is to walk in your kingdom, to be able to have access to the, the keys of heaven, you could say, to be able to accomplish what you want us to accomplish here on this earth. God, that we wouldn't settle for a shallow Christianity, a superficial Christianity, but that we would be sold out for you, God, that we wouldn't chase after so many things that leave us empty, but that we would chase after you, God. God, that we wouldn't have a servant mentality, God, but God, that you would transform us from the inside out and that we would truly be your friend, your partner in the kingdom, God. So God, we thank you. We count it an honor that you've given us gifts and talents. God, we know, God, that these gifts and talents, we're going to have to give an account one day. One day we have to stand before you and we have to let you know what we did with what you've given us, Lord God. So God, we just pray that we would honor you with our gifts and talents, with our time, with our treasures, God, that we would live for you and not for ourselves, Lord God, but that we would truly want to just honor you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in and God bless you and enjoy the rest of this weekend.